Welcome to episode 88 of Left Behind Game Club. This week, we take on to Kentucky Route Zero's first interlude, Limits and Demonstrations. You can find all things Left Behind Game Club at leftbehindgame.club, on Instagram at leftbehindgameclub, and on Twitter at leftbehindclub. This is a continuation of our Kentucky Route Zero series, which began on episode 87. So if you're checking this one out first, you may want to stop this one, go back to 87, listen to that first, and then come here. This week, we're in an art gallery... Let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCourt, and today I have two friends with me. The first friend, you know him, you love him. His name is Michael Ruffalo. I'm excited to talk about this very weird little episode of a game. And our second friend returning for the second time uh, is Adam Ionetta. Adam, welcome back. Good to be back. We are talking about Kentucky Route Zero's first interlude, Limits and Demonstrations. Uh, if you haven't listened to our first episode, you may want to stop this recording, go back to that episode, start there, and then come back to this when you're ready. But, you know, maybe maybe you won't. Um, each of these interludes is a little different, a little different in length, and you can kind of take it as you will. So if we had to describe what Limits and Demonstrations is, I think we can very succinctly say... It is an exhibition in an art gallery, correct? Yes. 100%. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you guys, because I'm not a liar. Uh, This interlude did literally nothing for me. Like, I I went through, (laughs) much like in an art gallery, and I was looking at all the pieces. I was like, oh, cool. That looks great. This didn't break my computer. Like, that's literally (laughs) all I have, guys. I don't have anything to share here, so... Why don't you set the stage for me about what happens in this exhibit? Well, Limits and Demonstrations starts with the longest scroll of text I think I have ever encountered <laughs> in, in anything that wasn't a Star Wars film. Um, it, it was just it just seemed endless. Um, and I so you, you end up reading this endless wall of text called Limits and Demonstrations that is about, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if I get any of the facts wrong here, guys. It's basically, as Jacob said, an art installation of Lucy Chamberlain. Is, is that correct? Uh, Lula Chamberlain. Lula Chamberlain. Correct. Sorry. My bad. Lula Chamberlain. A character that we will meet in the second act of this game. Yes. But up until this point, we have no idea who she is because this follows act one of the game. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the, the, the giant wall of text essentially breaks down that so many of these pieces could have never been displayed properly before. And now this is part of a, a historic exhibition. Um, I'm kind of amazed that I was, I was able to summarize that giant wall of text into that <laughs> sentence, but that's what I got out of it. Did you guys get anything more out of that wall? The, I know the wall itself, not, not so much. I mean, that beautifully, beautifully summarized, by the way, Michael, kudos to you. Thank you. Um, Thank you. but the, the one thing that I first realized playing this little vignette was that you're, you're actually playing the three characters referred to as the basement people from act one <laughs> who are who are and that that was something i wanted to address in the first episode is that when you first enter the basement of equus oils um upon seeing the three people sitting at the table initially they're just known as basement people 
But then after you hear their dialogue and they introduce themselves, uh, you realize they have names and their names are Ben, Bob, and Emily, I think. And you actually play, you play the role of Emily the entire time during this, um, interactive art installation exhibit. And you, it's, it's so interesting just to see how you can change their interpretations of the artwork. And I, I'm, I'm honestly at a loss for words like I am with, <laughs> with, with most art exhibits where you just kind of sit there and you, you want to make yourself sound very profound and say, oh, I totally understand what the artist was thinking of at this point. But I, I honestly don't. And that's how I felt playing this, this interlude. The, the fun part for me was the, the writing. There was actually a lot of writing in here. And Ben... Uh, was a character that I identified with, you know, in the first puzzle, he was trying to, it was, it's essentially like a horse and there's a man in that and I'm doing a terrible job describing it, but he's essentially like, I don't know what this means. Is this some kind of code or anagram or symbol? And I'm like, that's me. Cause I don't understand what this means at all. The, the real interesting, uh, tidbit about this art in, or that, that one specifically, I think it's called the unfinished puzzle with the. Uh, the man, the horse, and then the sunset is that um, it's actually taken from an early beta version of the first chapter where in the basement of Equus Oils, there was actually a smaller diorama of that same... Get out of here. Uh, yeah, I had to... It's. I remember how last week we were talking about the um, sort of the cult following that comes with this game. It yeah. is... It is completely thriving with this game, and I ended up doing some digging because I wanted to figure out, okay, what is the point of this this interlude? And they they explained, like, you know, oh, this was actually referenced to the beta version of this game, and they showed an actual picture of where the puzzle was supposed to be in uh, in the basement of Equus Oils. And I thought, that is, that is just so amazing that they would have all these small little references, even to things that, you know... To someone like me playing the the current final product couldn't even appreciate because they weren't even there. So also I couldn't even appreciate this interlude the first time I played it because it came separate to my download of the actual game until I realized afterwards, oh, I have to install and play these interludes separate to <laughs> to the game that I'm playing. <laughs> And what's interesting is uh, you can actually go on KentuckyRouteZero.com, and if you didn't buy the game, you can download these interludes and play them for free. So if you're like, I wonder what this game looks like, and you're curious, just go on the website, download them, and you can play them. Um, I don't know if this is my favorite interlude, but I'm sure we'll get to that <laughs> in the future. I think that's super interesting, the, the, the little diorama puzzle piece. One of the things that I loved about, you know, this... this uh, I want to say level, but I, I don't even. I think that's probably too expansive for what this actually is. <laughs> um, is is exactly what Jacob said that the writing is just really interesting and funny and kind of spot on. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I think what we've seen so far in Act One is the writing can get very dark and it can get very um, like magical realist and very odd. Um, but I, I never really got the sense up until now that the dialogue would be very like natural and you know flowing and realistic and um and I really got the sense here because the gameplay of this you know interlude is you walking from art piece to art piece um and either interacting with it or talking about it and each of the different 
dialogue choices that you get range between you know you know being being the the person who walks up to it and says ah it's a piece about sadness or <laughs> or going and saying uh i have no idea what this means which is i, I jacob i have to say like was that not you was that is that not uh-huh. the type of role that you played you're among friends uh-huh. I'm like, hey, it's a horse. Or or hey, it's it's, it's a, I know what a vertex is. That that's a vertex, but that's yeah. I, I always took the literal interpretation and nothing more from many of these uh pieces. And then there was always what uh I feel like my reaction is in a lot of these art exhibits, which is just like asking questions like what I, does anyone know what this means? Like can anyone explain this to me because I I don't get it. Um, or I don't get it immediately. And one of my favorite bits, and I wish I remember which puzzle it was, was, um, you walk up and the initial choice was to say, you know, I don't know what this is, um, you know, something else or, ah, it strikes me of sadness or this, this is a piece about (laughs) sadness. And then if you choose any of the earlier options, which are, you know, just very ignorant, like, Hey, like, what is this? Can you explain it? Someone later comes up and answers like, ah, yes, it's a piece about sadness. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just love the the not only nods to you being able to play the type of character that you want within, you know, a limited set of options, but also that there's still like even these winks and nods to the, the player or the person who's reading it. Um, because more, this game is more reading than it is, uh, you know, playing. Uh, Absolutely. It's it's very much a choose your own adventure game. I think that's especially true when you get to um one of the um other uh exhibits which is overdubbed Nom June Pake installation in the style of Edward Packer which actually sets you using a using tape and like an old computer on like a choose your own adventure book. I was like, "What the what am I playing right now?" This this was actually the moment in the exhibit where I actually felt like I belonged. It may have been a very small moment, but when I first looked at it and it said, you know, inspired by uh, Namjoon Pike, I thought to myself, I'm almost positive I've heard that name before. Get out of and here, really? I had actually studied this guy during my undergrad. I had taken... I'd, I'd only taken... And to this day, have only taken one music technology course, and I I had to Google it because I heard the name, and he was a uh, he was a um, a Korean American uh, artist who specialized with doing art installations and exhibits focused around technology and how to use it. And his the, his exhibit, which is based on uh, which is an adaptation in this game, is actually the same idea where it's you know you take these strips of magnetic audio tape and you put them into this. Uh, machine that's supposed to read them and instead of you know creating your own adventure you're actually creating your own music because they were actually individual strips of music track that you would then kind of splice together and uh i i just thought like i had a moment where i thought i belong i i play this (laughs) i i I actually feel like i know what i'm doing in this game now because up until now (laughs) it's just been complete chaos and confusion and just kind of digging deeper and deeper into a rabbit hole that i find just goes nowhere but there was a glimpse of hope like you you know what you're doing maybe that's amazing <laughs> that's so amazing because throughout this game i kind of have this back and forth between um and, and i don't just mean this interlude i mean just in general playing kentucky route zero of bouncing between you know is this real 
Um, is this actually a map of Kentucky? You know, are these actually the roads? Are these some of the landmarks? Does this exist? Um, or is this just fictitious and in the, you know, the world of Kentucky Route Zero? Is this in the, the Route Zero world side of it? Um, and that's so interesting to hear that they, they directly cite or, or reference an artist, you know, that exists in the quote unquote real world. Um, that, that kind of blows my mind and, and makes it that much more interesting for me. Did you guys end up going through that like very long, um, computer game or not computer game that choose your own adventure that you, you could do through the magnetic tape in the exhibit? Yeah. Do you remember any, any parts of it? Um, it was basically, so all of the, all of the strips of magnetic tape were, um, voice recordings of Lula Chamberlain, who is the artist, uh, responsible for this entire exhibit. And they seem to be almost like log entries to some sort of major project she was working on with two other individuals known as, I think their names were Donald and Joseph. And yep. don't um, they go into the forest at one point and they, then they're, they're driving a car saying like, Hey, this is the last recording I'm actually going to make on this tape. Like she's actually yes. talking about making the exhibit. That's a tape. That's a part of the exhibit. It was, I, and, and parts of it, even on the screen, you could see that in certain parts of the tape, it would kind of like static out on you because obviously it's not voice yes. acted. Um, mm-hmm. so showing again that like this, this media degrades over time and we're going to show that visually instead of voice acting it for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And there, there was also something about like a cave. Like they were going into a cave and there were dwellers there or that's, that's all I really gathered up until that point. I was just proud of myself for, for knowing who <laughs> Nam June Payak was. So gold star uh, for me there. <laughs> so I definitely remember a moment and I actually had to look it up in the, the fandom wiki um, where they talk about uh, taking the computer equipment down into the large sinkhole and Joseph calling it like the last resting place. Um, cause okay. that, that stuck with me. Cause then I was thinking like, well, how did we get some of this? Um, <laughs> and yeah, anyways, that, that was exactly to your point, Jay, that, yeah, they did kind of lose it in the woods somewhere. Um, and it was, it was for me a pretty short segment. Um, I think I had messaged you guys, uh, in, in error saying like, Hey guys, <laughs> like act two is really short. Um, because I think I got through, this limits and uh, demonstrations in about 10 to 15 minutes. It was, it was really short. And I was like, wow, this game goes from like, you know, hour, hour and a half to complete the first act to like 10, 15 minutes to get the second. Like, I don't know. I don't know like what this is actually going to be. And then I realized, <laughs> I don't know. I had just completed a little stopgap between we, we, we moving on in the story. I think it's an incredibly honest mistake, though, Mike, because of the way the menu, mm-hmm. at least in the TV edition, looks. In that, like, imagine it's a giant circle, and in the circle there's the one, two, three, four, five in Roman numerals, and then you have these like titled interludes. But I didn't, I didn't really know that like where the interludes went, and I needed to click on the Roman numerals to get the acts, because in in my playthrough, I played Act 1, then I played the Entertainment, which is the Act 2 interlude, before going back to play Act 1, and then Limits and Demonstrations. So, a lot of this can be played out of order, um, but uh, honest mistake, the menu is not easy to interpret for the newbie. 
It was honestly the funniest phone conversation that we've had where each of us was each of us was telling each other something that the others hadn't seen where it was like I don't know if I've played up to the same point as you. Well we're supposed to get to the end of act 2, right? I I literally saw the screen say end of act 2. Well, you know, I was in an art installation exhibit at one point. When was that? And like I'm 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 thinking like did I like download some sort of bugged version of the game where it's missing bits and pieces and it oh it was it was absolutely hysterical trying to piece together where each of us was and then finally realizing okay there's there's something more outside of the game itself that we we have to do yeah and and so what what I've come to understand is that as much as these um interludes don't seem like they relate they're actually picking up threads of the story and moving it forward because at the very end of this installation with the tape and the kind of choose your own adventure um the last piece of it is i believe people yelling through the microphone of a cave system and lula with the guys going down there the guys say they're going to go deeper and, and find um find whatever it is they're looking for. I, I, I'm not sure I picked up all the threads, but I think this is the key or the clue that you get that Lula Chamberlain has been to the zero, that she's mm-hmm. been through the caves that we were just in um, and that she's gone through the zero and that she's, you know, very aware of it. So it sets her up as a character for us to, you know, I guess keep an eye out for um, similar <laughs> in the way that I think Weaver has been a character that, you know, we, we built up some lore about her and we've learned a bit about her, and I can only imagine that we're going to stumble across her later on. Um, and it's, I think it's interesting that they do it from another like set of characters' perspectives. They don't pick up the story or feed you that info from um, the characters you know already, Shannon and Conway. Conway, yes, I didn't want to get his name wrong, mm-hmm. um, but they they definitely you know, jump around. And it reminds me so much, um, so much of Thomas Pynchon. Um, so I'm reading Gravity's Rainbow right now. And between that and um, Infinite Jest, David Foster Wallace's like monster novel, this game is giving me so many different references because um, in Pynchon, he often, or at least in Gravity's Rainbow, jumps around storytelling from different characters' perspectives and he won't exactly tell you who he's telling the story about. Sometimes he's telling it through the eyes of the character. Sometimes he's telling you the story through an observer of that character um, and just takes on different perspectives throughout. Sometimes he is a narrator. Um, and I, what I kind of found in, in this game so far between the interlude and act one is they're continuing to tell the same story. You're just not always getting those pieces from the same people or from the same experiences and the one constant is you the observer um Mm -hmm. which like i wish i could say some profound things about but i just think is really interesting (laughs) right now um and and definitely yeah definitely making it more interesting than i was expecting it was not something that struck me initially when i was playing it but it definitely hit me later as i was thinking a little bit more about it and um trying to make sense of it all uh, just a, a fun thing that I found when I was Googling um, Gravity's Rainbow. The first part of that is called Beyond the Zero, right? Yes. Wait, so oh, what's it called? no way! Jacob, holy cow, I did not even think about that. Okay, here's here's another... We're kind of getting a little ahead of ourselves, okay? <laughs> kind of getting a little ahead of ourselves. But also, um, 
Infinite Jest, the the MacGuffin, the the key piece of the story, is a piece of uh, like a film that is so entertaining uh, that people will die or kill others to get their hands on it. Um, and it is often referred to as the entertainment. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> so yeah, there are a lot of interesting references to, to postmodern or, or modern um, literature, which was not what I was expecting when we started this. As much as I did get like heavy, heavy Borges vibes as I like started playing this game. So you thought it was a game for dum dums, just like I, me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just not expecting it to pull on some of these references. I, it, here's here's the crazy thing, right? It's like, video game. Video I, game. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I, video I game plays you. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't know if those references are actually there. I just kind of feel like they are based on some of the experiences that I'm bringing to the table, which is super weird because I think that's also kind of the tension that like performance art kind of plays, right? Like, you know, when you walk up to a piece of art and you say, ah, this feels X, Y, and Z, it says more about your experiences that you bring to that um, piece than it does, you know, exactly what that piece is. Absolutely. There's a, there's a huge dichotomy between, um, you know, what, what it is that the artist wants you to feel or or what they imagined when they first created the work and then what you as the interpreter kind of put upon it. And so, you know, I, there've been so many instances where, you know, fans and scholars of, of an artist will go to them and and talk to them about something they've observed from the art piece and tell them, Oh, I, I love how you invoke these themes and these practices in your work. And the artist will say, Oh, that was never my intention. I don't even know what that is, but uh, but thanks for noticing that. That's pretty cool, <laughs> and uh, it's it's just so amazing, and it's it's really cool because the the production team cardboard uh, computer they've actually and to to say this game is more than a video game is really interesting because what they've done is they've they've brought this this quote unquote game to numerous art exhibits to promote the game and have these moments where you know they're really treating it as less of a video game and more as just a piece of art a piece of interactive literature or um an art installation exhibit kind of thing so it's it's really interesting how it's more than just a you know a point a to point b get the thing kind of uh kind of video game because even the only thing that i kind of took away from this is the uh third piece which was called um, Visage. Is that how you say it in English? Visage. I didn't want to be uh, yes. pretentious, but I just did it. <laughs> um, but it's from 1984, which, like, I got vibes of not only, like, Orwell, where I was like, is this trying to say that, like, there is no individuality and that, like, all of these small pieces of tape make up a larger... A larger um, uh, group, organism, a, a group, a whole, or is it going to from 1984 to show that like because the Macintosh launched that year? I just <laughs> I had a lot of questions, uh, and that to me was out of all four of the exhibits. That was the one where I was like, "Huh, is this? Does this mean Orwell? Am I smart? Did I do it?" <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, can you describe what that one looks like? Yeah, so imagine like the bust of a of a man from like collarbone up. Except it's it's being done in like literal tape from like a cassette that's like moving around and around to form this this bust. And it's it's quite large. It's probably like twenty feet high and the characters are just staring up at it the entire time. 
it's kind of like staring up at Big Brother. <laughs> Ooh, did I get it right? Did I do the I, thing? I don't you, know. Did I, I make know. the smart? You, you've won. You, you have won Kentucky Route Zero. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um, did you guys get anything out of that that one or the final uh, the final exhibit here? The final exhibit's called Spinning Coin Suspended Correcting for Angular Motion. And so that one, uh, just for just to describe it, is a computer that's kind of tilted on an axis. Uh, and within the screen of it is, is it a coin or an egg? It looked like an egg to me, but um, I might just be biased because I've seen that in a museum before. Um, You've actually seen that before? I 100% have seen a camera recording a screen or a camera recording an egg. And then there was a, uh, and then that was displaying on a screen and then a camera recording that screen, which was then displaying on another screen. And it just being like this, you know, infinite um regression i guess or infinite depth um huh. and it, like it it immediately made me think of it i think i was in san francisco at the moma when i saw that um and i'm sure i have photos somewhere on my phone of it cuz i thought it was like really arresting um but it's it's this very odd and i think kind of now makes sense in the in the game world but not so much like there's a a thing that you can pull out of it, or at least I didn't, um, which is, yeah, like just a computer on an angle with uh, a coin in the screen. And that sounds way too simple, but it is like in the style of an art exhibit. Um, mm. I didn't pull anything out of it other than, you know, looking at it. And frankly, at this point, I was very frustrated because I had accidentally gone back to the beginning and read that giant wall of text for a third time. <laughs> so I was like, I need to get out of here. I'm so tired of reading it. The The funny thing for me was that I actually, I, I think I went the opposite direction that you guys went in the museum where I actually started with, um, is it called Tilted Coin, the, the computer? Spinning so Coin I, Suspended. Right. Correcting and, for angular motion. <laughs> and it was that that was the first exhibit that I saw and I just didn't think much of it. And by the time like I, I kind of felt there was a bit of a an artistic crescendo. And for those of you listening who can't see, I'm actually holding my fist up like some sort of artiste who, you know, <laughs> is <laughs> So that was the first one. And I thought there was some sort of, you know, uh, the the installations became more and more complex and complicated as I went through starting from the tilted coin and so by the time i got to visage i i wrote down literally in my notes like you know what what the sugar honey iced tea is this and <laughs> just <laughs> and i i honestly thought is this i i don't i don't know i'm jacob kudos for you for being able to make out the that visage of you know the bust of someone because i i just thought it was a a tornado or a twister that was happening. And so I, I couldn't make out the, the facial structure of, of someone, but I <laughs> same here though, Adam, I honestly didn't see the face either, but I applaud Jacob for seeing it. <laughs> well, I, well, I mean like you are right in that like visage, it doesn't show like a clear, like here's the nose, here's the eyes, here's the chin, but like the way it tornadoes, it, it looks like a tornado if you flipped it upside down. So obviously I went cool shoulders, collarbone, face, 
Um, okay. For, yeah, it could be a tornado. It totally could be. But I was, I, I thought, given the the name, it was a representation of more than one person. Uh, whereas for the spinning coin, I thought it was a coin, not an egg. And I'm like, is the future of commerce the computer? Like, that's, <laughs> that's all I got. Damn, you're a smart one, Jacob McCourt. Look at you. Uh, I I try. I try. I'm not goofy all the time. I did not. I did not pick up on that at all. If that's even what it's supposed to be picked up on, I, Again, I, I was not even creative is, enough. Is, art is up to one's interpretation, and my interpretation is this: that one day you're going to clickety clack on your keyboard and you're going to make money. Video games. The yeah. I, I I do want to say one last thing. Um, looking it up before on the uh, um, the fan wiki, apparently, so this whole interlude was supposed to be. Um, sort of a test for potential players to see if whether or not their computer actually had the bandwidth and capability to play the rest of the game. So I mean, it's really interesting when it, when you come up with the name limits and demonstrations because it's basically telling us like, uh, okay, what is oh. what is your computer's limits? And you know, all of the different pieces of art are supposed to be like you know the the angular sort of like is it going to process these these graphics properly? Is it going to have the right processing power? What are the limits? of this game through the through this demonstration so god just that's something interesting just just something interesting i found so you're connecting I more dots than me adam and i'm glad that, you're here that is i still can't I tell think, you what the picture is though <laughs> i think that is the perfect place for us to put a pin in limits and demonstrations uh like we said if you are listening to this and have not played kentucky route zero somehow uh you can download these interludes for free so you can do so at kentuckyroutezero.com uh, if you want to find out about our podcast, you can do so at leftbehindgame.club, on Instagram at leftbehindgameclub, and on Twitter at leftbehindclub. Uh, you can join our Discord server where we talk about this game and many other games. Uh, the instructions to do that, no instructions, just click a button on our front page at leftbehindgame.club. You can find me on the internet at Jacob McCord on all major social media platforms. I'm putting out YouTube videos as well, so if you enjoy video games and YouTube, you can find that at youtube.com slash Jacob McCord. Adam, thank Thank you for joining us once again uh, for another edition of the Kentucky Route Zero Rodeo. It's not what we're calling Thank it, but having me. I, I called it that there. Uh, tell the people <laughs> where they can find you on the internet and find your work. Uh, the best place for people to find me is just via my website, adamayanetta.ca. It's my online professional profile for my work as a singer. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as much as singing is my passion, I also like to consider uh, video games uh, an equally strong passion of mine, which is why I'm honored to be on this amazing podcast with you wonderful people. Um, I also do want to make a quick shout out to... Uh, uh, um, my buddy Rob Maurice, he's a uh, an up and coming game developer. Just released his first mobile game on Android. It's called Frenchie Frolic, and you're basically uh, controlling a, a little Frenchie bulldog in an endless runner type of game, similar to something like Temple Run. And uh, I, I won't say too much about it, but uh, it's actually built on the same engine that this game is built on, which is Unity. And uh, for any 3D runner. Um, you know, the controls are the number one thing that have to work, and this game does it beautifully. So kudos to Rob and his company, Titanium Ram. Uh, please, please <laughs> support the game. He's already working on his next game. Um, so, uh, yeah, go and check it out if you have an Android phone. I had to steal my wife's phone for a couple of hours to play it, and I know she didn't appreciate that, but uh, uh, but it's a lot of fun, so give it a shot. The fine folks can find me online on most social places, at RufaloM um, or MichaelRufalo.com. And Michael, what do we say to him? 
And that, my friends, is one less strange episode left behind. <laughs>